I'm Annie. And I'm Melissa. And together we want to welcome you to Still Great Bob. If this is your first time joining us, together we are watching AMC's Mad Men and trying to answer the question, is it Still Great Bob? This week, we're discussing Season 3, Episode 8, Souvenir. Written by Lisa Albert and Matthew Weiner and directed by Phil Abraham. This episode originally aired on October 4th, 2009. The hit movies that week were Zombieland at number one, still a favorite. Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs at number two, and Toy Story. What? Was a 2009 uh, release. Oh, okay. That was a quality top three. Shocking everyone. I'm so sick the of hit this song. song. Uh, still Black Eyed Peas. Still had that feeling. Still feeling that feeling. On this episode of Mad Men, uh, Betty and Pete handle foreign relations differently. <laughs> relations. Get it? I don't get it. Can you explain it to me? No, just kidding. I will. We'll we'll tell you when you're older. Melissa, how did you feel about this episode where things happened? I, so many things happened in this episode. I love Betty so much in this episode. I am here it's for such a good Betty episode. Every single thing she's doing. I January love Jones is amazing. Amazing. She's doing some eye work in this episode. That is just fantastic. Um, I screamed. <laughs> out loud when Henry Francis kisses her um did you like yeah. get a vibe it was gonna happen I knew like obviously the man's in love with her we all know this mm -hmm. um I don't I no I didn't really think it was gonna happen I assumed that she was going to do her like very tactful like Betty swerve <laughs> not this time though she is good at and the swerve and she like kisses him back a little bit but then afterwards, it's like a very complicated sort of nothing. I, I don't want to call it nothingness, but it's a very it's a lot happening with her afterwards, I feel. Yeah, definitely something. I This kiss like gives Betty something um, because she is like really feeling herself for the remainder of this episode and just <laughs> doing whatever she wants and just saying all the things. And I love it so much. And while... Under maybe normal circumstances, I guess, quote unquote, normal. I would not advocate for like extramarital kisses, but like this one, net positive. <laughs> no, uh, for as charming and lovey as I found Don and Betty throughout the whole episode, even before the kiss. Don does not talk to Betty like this. No, he does not talk to her like all I want is to know that somehow I am a part of that happiness. <laughs> Like, that was too good. Um, when he's like, well, I put my heart into things when something's important to me. You know, dot, dot, dot. Or someone. I'm like, okay, so Henry. Smooth. Mm -hmm. So smooth. He is so smooth. And he, he's out here saving the day. <laughs> and he is so much smoother than Pete when Pete is oh. also allegedly what? saving the day in this episode. Like, the contrast of these two men who are both... Uh, white knighting. <laughs> Why did we have to bring up Pete already? <laughs> I know. I'm sorry. Well, because like the contrast is so striking. Mm -hmm. Even like Francine, just like, uh, my car's over there. Bye. Francine was so good in this episode. Little wave as she drives away. 
Even though afterwards she after the after the trip she's just like, So did you have a good time in Rome? Did you get to see anything? Oh yeah. Then she's just like, Or we could try to save a thing again and get some help. Wink. I know Francine also here for it. Um, yeah, so Betty's like, no, we took our stand. Like, I'm done with that. So is she done with Henry Francis? That was my so this is my thing with the whole Henry thing where she did obviously did not push him away from the kiss, seemed to have enjoyed it, kind of had a moment of processing and switched to, you know, the quote unquote cold Betty that um, January Jones is sometimes criticized for un- incredibly unfairly so. And it was like, do why is her reaction to be like, I'm going to love up on my husband and run away to Rome with him? Does she not want it? Is she, does she want it? Is is that why? Because she's like, that was pretty great. Because it's not like anything that I saw between her and Dawn afterwards was in any way sincere or even completely inconsistent what we saw before the kiss. I think part of that too goes to the idea of like vacation. And I think it's Francine when, when she's talking to Betty earlier before they go to Rome and talks about her and Carlton having gone away without the kids and, you know, vacation being the idea of like vacating your life. And like, I think... No, I think I feel like what my reading was is Betty was into the kiss. It's it's very and like it's very charged and that whole like walk to the car preceding it and everything else is very charged. And I actually rewatched getting all up in her space. Yeah, and like I actually rewatched that scene um a little bit before we recorded and started making the notes and it it kept making me think of the the faith hill song this kiss and just kind of that whole kind of invocative mood and i mean maybe we'll at the minimum drop a link in the show notes it's that pivotal moment it's uh, impossible this kiss to quote Taylor Swift now, we're all about Faith Hill and Taylor Swift today, I guess, Matt. Um, but like that Sparks Fly moment. So it definitely like had that. And when I rewatched it today, I don't know if I had the benefit of knowing how the episode ends and we'll get there. It's like Betty's not that she ever seemed like reluctant in it the when I watched it yesterday, the first time I rewatched the episode. But rewatching that scene today, I think she's much more of an active participant. Mm-hmm in that than I even think I remember the first time I watched it, especially in contrast of some of the other first kisses that we see later in this episode that we can kind of touch on. Um, but to the idea of like her and Don leaning over, it's, it's like, it's not life. Like Henry is real life. Henry is in, invested in, you know, this fight about the water tower and the reservoir and, you know, the, all the stuff leading up to it. And like, as cute, and we'll get into it, but as cute as Don and Betty are in Rome, that's them in a, in in Rome, and they're pretending to be other people, and that's not that's not who they are, and that's not their kind of real life and day to day, right? Whereas, like, maybe she's visualizing that this thing with with Henry is more real, and who she is or who she wants to be. In contrast, I don't know, Melissa. What do you think? As someone watching the show for the first time. I just thought that it like um like gave her confidence in a way, but not I don't mean in like the 
oh, somebody wants me. I must be hot, and therefore my husband likes me. Not in that way. Right. Um, more in the way where, like, he actually says to her, like, I put my heart into things when something's important. So I kind of wondered if she was like, oh, like, he did that. He kissed me. Like, I could do that, and if I want to make a decision to, like, be in a relationship with my husband, uh, which we've seen Betty, like, she she tries. Um, so maybe she's like, okay, if Dawn's important to me, maybe I'll actually, like, put my heart out there and, like, go and take what I want because Henry Francis did it. I can do that. It's so interesting to me that you guys keep, like, pointing to this difference before and after the kiss about how Don and Betty are. Because I had it, I even, like, wrote it down. I was like, there is something really weirdly genuine about this um, low-key happiness and vibe between the two of them, which I was actually found really striking to how they have been in past episodes. Because, you know, they're Betty's looking amazing in her, like, hot weather outfit and t- telling Don, you know, like, hey, you should join the kids outside. Yes. That is to catch really lightning bugs. And they share the beer. He like gives yeah. her the beer that he was so, drinking. Oh, I loved that. It was so much. So nice. I'm like, this is so weird. And that was before the kiss. That was long before the kiss. Yeah. So I was like wondering if the fact that they had found like this nice vibe is part of why Betty did react. She didn't shut him down, but she didn't. I mean, she didn't. Um, she didn't not enjoy it, but she also sort of mm-hmm. kind of shut him down, but not really. Uh, and I mean, it's really interesting hearing you talk about vacations, Matt, because maybe Henry was the vacation for a bit. Uh, she got to play this flirty thing with this white knight guy and nothing was really going to come out of it. Maybe they'll get, she'll get to be the hero by getting him involved. But when he kissed her and she has to face with the fact that, oh, maybe there's some attraction there and this is something that's real and he's willing to make that step and not just play coy, that it's not this pure little vacation from whatever situation she was building with Don or rebuilding with Don. I don't know. Yeah, it's really fascinating because I believe all of these things could be true. <laughs> um. But I just think that, like, yeah, Don and Betty were super cute this whole time. But, like, when he invites her, quote, unquote, to go to Rome with him, like, that's not what he did. And I felt like when he says, like, well, there's nothing stopping you from coming with me. And I'm, she says, oh, not our two-month-old child, which, like, also, <laughs> yes. But in my mind, I'm like, oh, the fact that I wasn't invited and, like, you're a dick. <laughs> like, that's – so I just thought that, like, the change was between Betty – being like I'm not gonna like be forward about my want to go to Rome because you didn't give me like a sweet invitation and just being like no I want to I'm going I'm gonna invite myself I get to take things and isn't part of the difference like the trip to Rome is because of Don's work and since like the implication is you know last episode was the end of July this episode's I you know, month-ish later in August, Don's been traveling around to all these Hilton hotels to, you know, get this this Hilton account because he met he met Conrad Hilton. And this trip to Rome is because of Don's work. So ultimately, it's about Don. And like, as you said, Melissa, it's like, oh yeah, I guess you can come too as like an afterthought. And Don, I suspect, thinking of like a two birds with one stone where he can, you know, 
whisk Betty away to Rome, but also he's there for work. Whereas in contrast to the stuff with the, the Junior League of Terrytown and Henry Francis and the Reservoir and everything else, that's something that's interesting to Betty. That's something that matters to Betty. And Henry is invested in it because mm-hmm. Betty is invested in it. Whereas mm-hmm. this whirlwind trip to Rome, as attractive as they both look you know, around, around the fountain in, in Rome... She's there because of Don, whereas Henry is there because of Betty. Bonus Betty. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. She's bonus Betty. Oh. Yeah. It's a lot. And it's like, with Henry, she's not the add-on. She's the, like, she's not the B-roll. She's the A-roll. She's the, the mm-hmm. feature presentation. And that, yeah, now I'm just thinking, like, Betty was the star of her own story with Henry, so she decided... Oh, I can be the lead in my story with my husband. And then she wasn't. Or can you? But it seemed pretty nice for a while. And it's really annoying because they do have that really nice, easy chemistry when they allow themselves to. And they're beautiful. But are they, are they, are they, like, I, I don't disagree, right? But, like, part of me, it's like, they are both pretending because it's been a really tough road for them for the last like two and a half seasons the last like three-ish years or whatever would be like in calendar time right and when you're removed from most of the stressors of home and like you're there it's like you're fun you're in the moment and it's like it is such like like their chemistry is off the charts and then a whole like pretending they don't know each other and then playing against the uh the Italian folks who are who are chatting with Betty and also trying to flirt like it works in like isolation but like is it so charming because they feel free of like the weight of their reality because they're on vacation so they can do that like like where do they find themselves at home and then they don't so it's like well that's still the whole difference with you thinking you talking about how they didn't have this easiness yeah before they left i see it as something that they had let themselves have in that, I mean, not necessarily like, oh, we just totally let go of all our baggage. I mean, they are like act- seem to be actively trying to not let that weigh them down, not necessarily in the healthiest of ways. But this is like at their base instinct who they can be as people. Right. And it's not just being on vacation. But as with all things, you know, it's going to catch up with them. Lord knows Don can't let go of his own shit. But <laughs> no, fair this enough. is this is not. Yeah, no, it's not like I'm just saying, you know, they're this is something that it's not for. I mean, they have to force not paying attention to the other stuff, but it's not just um, how do I want to put this? I don't know how I want to put this, but like I'm just saying this is how they can be. And it doesn't feel f- super forced. It does feel like genuine, the people that they want, when they are the people they want to be and feel like they can be, this is who they are together. I hear you, but I think where I'm getting a little bit hung up or have a bit of like a different read is that in that kind of easiness of like managing the house, even like before the um, household stuff is like Don comes home later and it's like, Oh, I poured you a beer. Go play with the kids. Like I, I view that like Betty is at least to me and, and my read with my own kind of entrenched biases and, and everything else is it's like, she is kind of playing the role that she feels is expected of her, but there's not a lot um, 
out there for her and that what I am reading into it maybe is like a lessening of herself where it's like, oh, here I am. I poured you a beer. Oh, please go hang out with the kids. I'll do whatever I have in here, which again, I'm sure those kids were super stoked to play with their dad. But then going to like the like role play in Rome is like, is that Don and Betty living up to their potential or is that Don then being competitive because she went out first and then those two other like Italian gentlemen were flirting with Betty and then it was about the oh I can like there was like a element of like American machismo versus like you know Italian machismo and like the competitiveness there as well because he sits down and there the Italians are drinking wine and Don's like I'll have a whiskey neat where's my cowboy hat like like you know what I mean so <laughs> I don't know I like, didn't I, read any of that into his performance though it just seemed like he kind of got what she was doing wordlessly and kind of started playing the same game i didn't get the competition because it seemed more like for him and for betty but just to go back to the the beer thing i mean i i do no i totally agree that in many ways betty has to sort of reduce herself to be able to fit into the certain like ideal family i mean that's just like the whole that's what the that's major thesis the of her entire yeah. existence in this show but at the same time the reason why she sent him off was also so she could do this thing that made her feel important. So it's not like she was completely reducing herself. She was still doing right. this thing that she felt passionate for. Right. No, fair enough. Fair enough. Maybe she just sent him outside to play with the kids because she wanted him the fuck out her face. <laughs> <laughs> and that's really why she was smiling at him. Um. Also, though, I got my feelings hurt whenever <laughs> are you are you laughing because you know what i'm gonna say or are you laughing about me getting my feelings hurt go on just keep going um okay i got my feelings hurt whenever she tells him to stay with her instead of going to breakfast with connie and then he's immediately like okay i have to get up now and i was like okay that's rude <laughs> like why would you give me this half-ass like okay great you did what i said you could do for five seconds cool 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 but then she's just like fuck it and she just follows him into the shower i was like betty i'm obsessed with you <laughs> obsessed because i got my feelings hurt that he was ditching her and then she was like i will not be ditched <laughs> not today my man this is where her power lies in this incredibly terrible unfair structure <laughs> that uh, yeah so that's not great but it, that was when i really was like oh this henry Francis kiss like really has Betty feeling herself and I love it so it's a lot going on it's a we lot can't just have a Betty centric episode and not talk about it <laughs> around in circles until we die <laughs> I mean pretty much she is an icon and I I have to say in general for an episode that is mainly about one of the female characters that is also you know, partially credited to Matthew Weiner as a writer. I'm very shocked because mm -hmm. <laughs> normally it's just a very ill-fitting suit of pseudo-feminism on his episodes that I didn't feel on this. It does feel like, though, whatever spell they were under before the kiss, um, before Rome, uh, is now broken. Mm. And I, I feel like there were, like, hints at it, too, along the way, like, when Betty is making her phone calls and she answers the phone from Hilton. And she's got her list of contacts that she's trying to reach out to for this thing that's very important for her. And 
Don answers it and starts writing down information. He just like scribbles on her sheet of paper like it's just regular old scratch, which I assume that's why we looked at we we got a shot of it. And like, dude, your thing is not the most amazing, more important thing of all. I mean, it probably is because it's paying the bills, but <laughs> why do you have, why do you have to disrespect her like that? Just like low key stuff like that. Done. Yeah, and like he gets her this present. Mm-hmm. It's a vacation present. A reminder of the shit she didn't get to see in Rome. You're a real nice guy, Don. <laughs> All about the time they didn't have. And she sees through it, though, right? Like, oh my god, yeah. It's like, oh, then she's I cellophane. It's like, I want. Let's put it on your bracelet so I can have something to look at when I talk about the time you took me to Rome, right? Mm-hmm. And then, like, it's it's right after that she goes down and she's in the living room and sees the Shea Lounge and then mm. has the, the talk or a version of, of the talk with Sally, who kissed um, Carlton and Francine's son, Ernie. Ernie. Yeah, I can't remember their last name. But... Everybody needs to remember that they should ask people about kissing. Well, and that, that's like Before a whole theme throughout it. this episode, right? It's like, it's like, it's the souvenir. We have so many souvenirs. We have... The the charm of the Coliseum. We have the Chase Lounge. We have the memories of like you know first kisses and stuff like that. But like before Betty talks to Sally about having so many first kisses and all future kisses being a shade of that. But you'll have lots of first kisses and everything else. She's looking at the Chase, so it's like she's talking about that kiss with Henry, right? At least that's what I think. And like that's the souvenir is the chaise and like the memory of that kiss. It's not what Don got her and saw her in the gift shop and asked them to send. Right. Mm-hmm. Hmm. I just, Oh, I love that. I, I could just talk about it forever. Like Betty being like, I hate it here. <laughs> I hate our friends. I hate you. She hates the life that they've built. That reminds me so much not to get too personal and I won't, but. So much during quarantine, which is still ongoing, but, <laughs> you know, um, but previously in quarantine, I would just be like trying to survive. And so I would be like deeply like sighing. And the people that I lived with at the time would be like, oh, my God, what's wrong? And I'm like, this is literally like how I sound. OK, <laughs> I hate everything. OK, and if I, I have to do very deep breaths all the time, that's the energy I was getting from Betty. Finally, one person asked her, like, what's wrong too many times? And she's like, I fucking hate everything. <laughs> yeah. Especially with, like, uh, yeah. Francine. In fairness, Francine was hilarious, but I would be so tired of my life if I just had to deal with her weirdness all the time. You just reminded me of this thing, and it's super, you should probably just cut it out because it's not my story. But <laughs> someone was telling me about when they were in a wedding, and something, some small detail wasn't working the way it was supposed to not unimportant but small enough and the groom is just like you know what i think it'll be fine it's gonna work out these things just have a tendency to work out and the bride would that's because i make them work it out yeah (laughs) they're still very happy together but it just i just sort of had that vibe of like yes the reason why everything works out is because of me that's why you can be so blah and then don is like oh we'll go we'll travel again someday i'm like buddy Mm. So something, and like I don't, I don't think this is like a spoilery comment. But if you're like super spoiler adverse, skip ahead about forty five seconds. 
But like something I kept thinking about, especially after Betty more or less rejects the souvenir that Don got her, that I was thinking about was Roman history and that idea of like crossing the Rubicon, the Rubicon being a river in Italy. And when Caesar brought his legions back and crossed the Rubicon into Rome, that's what essentially doomed the Republic and what put him in Julius Caesar kind of armed rebellion against the Republic or, or whatever, because they crossed the river and you weren't supposed to bring your troops across the river. So it like has become this thing that like you do and there's no going back from. And I'm wondering if this Rome trip could be that moment for, for Don and Betty, right? Maybe or mm-hmm. maybe not, but I think it's very clear that that, that kiss was, uh, very monumental for for betty right based on how we saw the the drapers before and after so i don't know something i've been thinking about yeah it does seem like something they they can't really keep pretending anymore from this point on that uh things are just gonna be okay let's blame henry with his dashing silver foxness yeah he's really attractive I'm like I don't like I don't know if it's because like one of those things where like because he is like silver foxy and like I was like 10 years younger the first time I saw this that I'm like yeah you know he's fine I guess but like I was watching it and just like yeah he is really attractive I don't think I ever realized but you know we're all silly in our 20s he stands really tall he has good timing he's got the good hair he just wants you to be happy he just wants to he is literally finding joy in m- bringing betty happiness like get fucking real yeah. of course that was gonna work yeah <laughs> not in protecting her not in playing some idea of like some dated idea of what a man is just like she's really happy and i might have had something to do with it and he wants to have something like oh she's so smooth oh, yeah 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 <laughs> <laughs> Ugh. All right. Speaking of uh, people who are not fucking smooth. Oh, God. This guy. This fucking guy. Just when I was almost on his side again, the show reminds me that I don't like Peter Campbell. The so. first thing he does isn't even against Trudy. That I, The first thing he does that makes me upset with him is talking about Hildy, and who's so excited to spend some time with her girlfriends. And he makes some comment about why is it that a man on his own is an object of pity when she's really the one you should feel sorry for. And everyone's just like, nah, she's fine. Bro, why though? Stop projecting, Pete Campbell. Like, you're a lonely, like, grumpy old man. And she is going to, like, a party house with all of her working girlfriends. Mm -hmm. Like, get real. (laughs) And even the other guys call him out on it, and he has to still be like, no, even though I'm the one who did want to go with my wife. Pete. Ugh, Pete. And, uh, of course, so he is lonely, and he actually looks kind of nice in his, like, little casual attire when he comes across uh, the German au pair, whose name I don't know how to pronounce. And he, he he's trying to make her feel better, but he's saying things like, I don't think you're thinking clearly. Like, oh, I've got the solution because you were too woman to think of it. So I have a question for you both. Mm-hmm. No, it is because it's in the notes. But when Peter finds Gertrude trying to get rid of the dress that has been stained that she wore without permission to a party and, and offers to help her, um, did he 
always have ulterior motives, yes or no, and why? Yes. I mean, yes. <laughs> I, there's no hesitation. Oh, it's Gerdun. Gerdun? Gerdun. Gerdun. Gerdun? Gerdun. Gerdun? So it's Sorry. not Gerdun. Okay. I heard it wrong. Uh, yeah, no, I... Even if it wasn't originally meant to be sexual in the beginning, I do think that Pete wanted to feel important and wanted and get to save someone. And here's like a super cute young girl with a low neckline and extremely good cleavage crying over something that he thinks that he's able to fix. And the fact that she wasn't like overcome with like gratitude and oh my goodness, you save everything. And immediately as soon as he's just like, hey, let's hang. And she's immediately uncomfortable and immediately brings up her boyfriend it i think it affects something in his ego where he's like well now i've got to take power a different way and prove that i'm this studly stud who can get what i want and i hate him and they like make it a point to show that he's like drinking when he decides to do this which i'm like "Mm, let's not it just seems yeah. like because we saw him like struggle to get a shirt off and he's like pouring drinks and like he's a mess. I'm like, are you trying to make it are, like, are you softening what he did by being like, look how he's drinking? Like, I don't know if I'm just yeah. like projecting because I don't trust the man watching the show and I don't trust Pete. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like he is in a vulnerable state and that's why he's drinking and that's why he acted waited. Yeah, no, yeah. I get that. And not that like, oh, no, like he saw a young, vulnerable girl in the hallway and he saw an opportunity for him to like leverage his power so that he could feel big and manly. Hook up with her. Pete does that, doesn't he? Where he has a thing that he really wants to do and he pushes it down and then he gets really drunk and he does it and acts like, oh, it was just the alcohol. I mean, sometimes or maybe it's the show that does it because that's essentially he's just a coward. Yeah, that's essentially what happened. Episode one with Peggy. Where he's just like, hey, I'm drunk. I'm going to make some bad choices. Like, no, you're using that as an excuse to make bad choices, I think. Because not one thing that it's really the thing about the dress is like obscenely nice. In hindsight, I should have known that something else was coming. Mm -hmm. It's big enough of a favor that he's not going to think, well, because I kind of thought like, oh, he's bored. He loves to feel important. Like, I didn't really think that he was going to take it this far just because, like, but obviously, like, the second that she was like, oh, I have a boyfriend, I was like, this isn't. She may not actually have had a boyfriend. She just looked so uncomfortable. Oh, my God. And then, like, he shows up and he's like, oh, I I deserve to see you in the dress. (sighs) And she knows. She knows. And then, don't even get me started on this motherfucking neighbor man that she works for. Ugh. Like, he's worse than goddamn Pete. Ugh. He's just very aware of the fact there's a lot of cheating boys in that apartment building. Just stay out of the building. Do you know how long it takes for me to find someone to that gets along with my wife? I just want peace. I spend my vacation day refilling the tissues. This is what you have to 
like say to this person who assaulted your staff? He doesn't even seem mad about Pete like lying to him to his face. No, he keeps being like, no, no. Listen, don't worry about it. It's all good. These men suck. These men suck. So that's bad. I hate it. I hate um, it. I wish I would have said this before we got all the way down the rabbit hole, but I didn't. But it, I, I still think that it's personally important to me is how hard I laughed when he said that he wanted to talk to the manager of the Republic <laughs> dresses. <laughs> Pete wanted to talk to the manager. That was a good line. Like he's being a dick, but that was funny. Oh, and the second time I screamed out loud was when we saw Joan. Joan. Oh, and how good did she look? Amazing. She looked amazing. Do you think she really gets first pick of the stuff, or was she just saying that to give Pete a reason why she was working there? I mean, she might, but I don't think that's her main thing. I do yeah. think, because she's really good at picking out truths and using them to her advantage. Mm-hmm. And obviously, she wanted to make it seem like, oh, I'm just doing this for fun, as opposed to, I really need to be here and I need this job. Mm-hmm. And the way she just take, I mean, honestly, the literal best person that he could have run into to help him with a problem. And she's still protecting Greg, too, right? Like the version of events that she, sorry, my headphones kind of plugged, so sorry if this is redundant. But uh, the version of, you know, oh, Greg's just finished up his residency. Oh, he might switch specialties. Oh, you know, things are great. Like she's still managing all these different crises and it's like put upon her whether it's Pete with the stress or Greg not being chief resident and it's just I like Joan Joan good she's me, amazing me want good things for Joan uh yeah part of me kind of wonders if she also suspected that Pete was doing something weird 100 percent. Like, she's like oh could- I didn't see Trudy in this size yeah all of that language around the size of the dress Makes no fucking sense to me. And I, like, I there had to be, like, another way to point out that she didn't think that that was Trudy's dress. Because she's like, yeah. oh, this one's small. I don't see Trudy in a 10. And I'm like, what are you trying to get across here? Like, <laughs> she's Trudy's probably, so like, a two. good. <laughs> well, bear in mind that sizes used to be different back then. Okay. Like, Marilyn enough. Monroe was a size eight. Okay. In, in, in those, in contemporary sizes. I'm with it. I'm with it. So they were okay. very different then. Yes. Like a small was probably like a like a, a regular thing, and Trudy would have been like an extra small or something or whatever. I get. Okay. I love that. I feel a lot better about that because when it happened, I was like, "Who allowed this <laughs> to go?" <laughs> yeah. No, I had to think about it too. But I, it was just so sly because the way Joan can deliver a line. Mm-hmm. If she really wanted to make it sound like she was telling you she knew things, she would say it that way. But this is her just kind of like saying it, just like throwing it out in the universe without real judgment. Because one, she's probably like, I can't really judge about shenanigans because I'm going to be here lying about my husband failing out of his residency. Mm-hmm. And she just takes care of it. Joan being Joan. Queen. Um. Okay. So Joan probably knows that Pete did has some type of shenanigan going on, but like Trudy definitely knows. She mm-hmm. super knows. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And it's it's like that whole scene is so well acted from both Alice and Brie and 
and Vinny K, as Karen Shipka would call mm-hmm. him. Um, and I'm only saying that because I can't remember how to pronounce his last name properly. Um, Karthasar? Karthasar, I think. That one. Or at least that's uh, how I've said it since he used to be in Teen Beat. <laughs> and listeners, they're good photos. Look them up. Um, but like it's so good because it's like, shh, just setting the scene a bit. So the old pair, not Gertrude. And her charges are in the elevator after Peter picks Trudy up. Peter's obviously upset about it because he's feeling what apparently is remorse, guilt. And Trudy's like, oh, it's okay. You get so upset when you see children because of, you know, the the challenges with conceiving and conception that they've had yeah, that's this why. season. And then as he keeps showing, she's like, wait, did something happen? What happened? And like she, all the pieces fit together and she leaves and then he goes to work. And when he comes home, she's just trying to do her best, keep calm and, and carry on and just Alison Brie, good. Alison Brie, great. More Alison Brie show, please. Always. Always. Ah, she's amazing. It it's just it's really painful because you feel, you know, she knows it and she can't not know it. And somehow Pete weasels his way to somehow acknowledge it, but not really, and find a way to be like, hey, I won't do this again. But that solution is to compromise and never be left alone again, because I can't trust myself. I can't be trusted. And she can tell herself like, oh, my husband loves me uh, and I'm his number one. And this is the lie I'm just going to keep living with. it's so much this is how much i just don't like pete that when he was like i don't want you to go away anymore without me i had this thought was like you're probably gonna throw fit every time fucking trudy wants to go anywhere and this is gonna end up with (laughs) neither of you doing anything (laughs) no one's gonna come out of this happy Ugh. everything's terrible yeah fucking pete Totally. It's, I mean, it's like the Don problem where it gets so exhausting sometimes where it's like he's very sympathetic. He's got gone through a lot of trauma. He's really insecure. And I am just at this point where I'm so tired of male characters and their insecurities and their little baby feelings and how they, you know, just have to spread those feelings around on everyone else and make them feel terrible to feel something like remotely like being human. I'm tired of it. <laughs> Because they just suck. Yeah, it's it's something that I've been thinking about a lot, obviously, through the course of as us watching Mad Men. But also, like, recently I finished season four of The Crown. Um, mm-hmm. And Josh O'Connor, who plays Prince Charles, is, I think, one of the best performances, like, to, for me, for my money, as I mm-hmm. kick my mic off um, this season. But it's it's... The way in which he's portrayed, especially this season, and then even in contrast to, to previous seasons, especially season three, is it's the same sort of thing, right? Where, like, I can see and appreciate the pathos in the character and why he is feeling and acting the way it does, but that doesn't excuse any of the trauma that they inflict on those around them because they're unhappy, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. right? And it's like, and I mean, there are heaps of this when you're talking about, you know, someone who is a, 
is royalty and 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 for all intents and purposes lives lives off the public purse um but like the entitlement that comes with masculinity in our patriarchal like in our patriarchal systems in which innately understanding is demanded right it's like i have trauma my mom didn't hug me you know my mom died when i was a kid or my dad didn't hug me in case i think it's both of charles but like don draper as well but like it's a thing where like men both in art and i think outside of art demand understanding from our society and i think while we can understand and appreciate it's important that we don't excuse or condone right and and i think that's where i can get frustrated with madmen specifically myself and i know stuff we talked about too and even like with roger existing to make us like dawn better by default where it like becomes this this retweets our endorsements thing and like that's something and i know like madman to me has always been a show about the dangers of like masculinity and and hyper masculinity in, in the post-war period that was like something that drew me to the show even the first time i was watching it back you know in 2009 2010 but like watching it back now in almost 2021 it just it, it seems to revel so much in in excusing that even while pointing out that mm-hmm. it's bad and it's it's frustrating because it's like trying to have its cake and eat it too and i think i mean we were merciful mercifully didn't have a lot of roger in this episode but like I think just think he's so indicative of that. And like, even this oscillation between now we knew Pete was trash early on and had the show wanted us to have conflicted feelings about Dawn. And now it's like, Pete is being mini Dawn, but like less charming, but still like, it's just, it's frustrating. I agree. I mean, the crown, I think rides that line better of, of criticizing the power structure balance with the, sympathy of a person so it is really interesting to that you bring up that comparison and josh o'connor like vincent carthaser does a phenomenal job with the material that they're given and playing these complex characters uh and i hate them both (laughs) um and also to your point like we find out that greg just gets to be a psychiatrist now like please help me the hate notes i'm going to write (laughs) To Matthew Weiner if this Greg thing does not get resolved. <laughs> I mean, look, I don't know if you guys listened to Dr. Death, the podcast. It's amazing how hard it is to get rid of a shitty doctor. Oh, I, I, yes, I, I, I get that. But like, <laughs> and I know that Madman wants to be like real, but I'm like, fuck it. Get it. Hit him by a car. Who cares? <laughs> I want him gone. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, he can only test our patients so, for so much. Like, I it's, don't want him to be writing prescriptions for, like, behavioral altering medications for people who, like, need legitimate help. He's a psychopath. And he keeps getting rewarded with being married to Joan. Oh. <laughs> okay. I will marry Joan. I will provide for us. Greg can go <laughs> no off. No shit. No shit. <sighs> okay. I was just like sitting here when the crown season four came out and my initial thoughts of like, oh, so 
I am going to hate all the men in this show. Cool. <laughs> Got it. Even the extraordinarily charming, attractive ones. Like Josh O'Connor is way too good looking to be Prince Charles. But <laughs> at the end, I will end the season hating one of the men that I maybe thought well of. The only person I haven't hated is Jared Harris. I, that applies to both shows. <laughs> <laughs> No, but but just like what Josh O'Connor does with his whole like body and invoking Charles posture and like the way that like over his two seasons, because like the crown has that weird thing where you play in your two seasons, a very like large age gap. Mm -hmm. And the way that like he's aged into this season to be Tobias Menz's version of his dad in Prince Philip. It's just Mm -hmm. someone give Josh O'Connor like at least an Emmy nomination, like, please. Um, Yeah, no, It's, it's yeah. He's, he's so good. He's very good. Uh, yeah. So, seems like some things don't really change <laughs> over time. We, because we do talk about how the show is like. Oh, I mean, it was really frust- probably really frustrating for some people at the time. But now, looking back on it through a twenty twenty lens, through everything that we have grown, uh, or seen and done, and as people and have grown in, you know, the eleven years since the show first came out, twelve years now. Um how frustrating it can be to see how we used to think back then and the shows that were cutting edge back then. But it seems like we're still seeing the same things in shows now. (sighs) That sounds like I'm just only complaining about things. I'm not. There's a lot of good stuff out there. And there's still a lot of good in this show. Namely, Betty and Joan. Betty is in this show, guys. She really just did not get enough. January Jones did not get enough credit. I mean, I know that she did to a certain degree, but I just remember a lot of qualifiers of like, well, for the part that she's playing, she's supposed to be a cold robot. It's, it's a good match of performer and character. But like, yeah, it was it was about taking away any of like her victories because of internalized misogyny. Yeah. Yeah. It's not because it, it's not because she's just great. Yeah. But she is. Yeah. All right. <laughs> I feel like we felt a lot of feelings this, in this episode, guys. We did. And we busted them out, too. Like, this is a snippy episode. Snappy, I guess. <laughs> Both, maybe. <laughs> um, do you guys have any bits and bobs you wanted to talk about? Um, I already did my Greg thing. I do have a Ken Cosgrove mention. Um, I laughed really hard when he was like listing where all the people were and he's like Sterling's and Jane like that's not funny but it is it was funny. (laughs) (laughs) he goes on to say like a not nice thing about the girls who stay in New York for the summer so like goodbye but the Jane thing I thought was bad but funny no and and the only other bit I mean yes that was funny not funny but the only other um, bit and bob that I had was just this whole we talked about the Greg like thinking of switching specialties to psychiatry from surgery. I watched um NBC's Hannibal for the first time about a month ago in like two weeks. It became my like new obsession. Good show if you haven't seen it. But uh there's a character, Dr. Chilton, who you might remember from Silence of the Lambs, who talks about how he has the same profile as Hannibal Lecter. And Hannibal Lecter was a like a surgeon, was a trauma surgeon i think and then decided that he wanted to get psychiatry just because it's hannibal lecter and he's a genius and shelton was like oh we're the same person but he switched from surgery to psychiatry because he sucked as a a surgeon and shelton's uh Hmm. 
kind of a, if you've seen Silence of the Lambs, you know he's he ain't a great person. Um, not that Hannibal Lecter's a great person <laughs> either, but uh, was competent physician. Uh, he just would eat you. Um, but it just made me think of that and laugh. So yeah, <laughs> that's my other that's my bit and or Bob. Watch Hannibal; it's good. And and I swear, like um, Gillian Anderson's on that show as well. Speaking of the oh, Crown, yeah. who plays Margaret Thatcher? And another reason I love the Crown season four, she basically Gillian Anderson basically plays Margaret Thatcher like Hannibal Lecter, and it rules. That's <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Uh, I have a deep and abiding love for Hugh Dancy, so I watched it. Also, don't eat dinner when you're watching it. If you do choose to watch it, Melissa. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, it gives enough. you conflicted feelings about food. I will yeah. admit that. Well, in the meantime, Annie, where can people find more of you on the internet? Well, I'm so glad you asked, Matt. I, uh, you can find me on my other podcast, The Daily Nightly, spelled with a K, where we are reading through all of Jane Austen talking adaptations. We're actually just starting Mansfield Park, which n- neither me or my friend Jesse have read. And it's actually kind of great so far. Uh, you can also find me on Instagram at popartery, P-O-P-A-R-T-E-R-Y. Melissa, where can we find more of you and your work? You can find me on Twitter at Mel Yellow, which is M-E-L-L-O-O Yellow, or you can find me co-hosting the Wild Pretty Things podcast. And you can find me on Twitter at at Mattyhue, M-A-T-T-Y-H-U-G-H. You can find all three of us together on Twitter at at StillGreatPod. And please send us an email with your thoughts, comments, at... or two, I should say, stillgreatbob at gmail.com. And if you want to rate and review us on the podcasting system of your choice, that would be much appreciated. And always, thank you to DJ Empirical for our very groovy theme song. Yeah. Bye. Bye. Later days. Uh, Mostly I just started writing things down about how he's a pathological liar and a sociopath and I hate him.